Welcome to Medically Speaking, Auburn's own medical radio show with host Dr. Mark Vaughn of the Auburn Medical Group and Larry Finney. Good Saturday morning to you. This is Medically Speaking Radio with Dr. Mark Vaughn and Larry Finney, the resident layperson. We have a guest with us this week, as we often do. This week, it's Dr. Mike Mulligan, who has an interesting career that we'll get into uh, as soon as we bring his segment on on the air. He's not the Mike Mulligan of steam shovel fame. Did you ask him? I I haven't officially asked him, but I I just remember that kid's book from way back. I mean, that's a book that's probably written in the 50s, but Mike Mulligan and the steam shovel. Remember that? Yeah, I remember it. I remember it. Do you remember it? I have a copy. Okay. And it could be me. Is it autographed? Yeah. (laughs) And it could be by me. When you're like five? Yeah, that's right. Well, this has been an interesting weekend. Uh, Placer and Lincoln were both 7-0 and going into the game last night. And I must say, I have never heard a roar like that as I heard from the away team side of the uh, stands last night. That was something else. Both teams, great. Both communities should be very proud of their football teams. I'm sorry you missed it. Well, in as much as Placer lost, I... I'm not sorry I missed it. Well, okay, I'm with you on that one. And they're still seven and one, so I mean they've got got a great chance. Anyway, we look forward to what they'll do. Uh, uh, let's see, what is it next week? They're playing against Colfax. That'll be interesting. Okay, we do want to remind people that we do have uh, conversations going on on our uh, Facebook fan site. People who are on fa- Facebook can become fans and they can participate in the discussion. We'll talk a little bit about that coming up uh, a little bit later in this first segment. And we do want to remind people to support our advertisers and sponsors, Sutter Auburn Faith Hospital, Sutter Auburn Hospice, the Auburn Medical Group, Auburn Drug, and Dr. Rodney Kihara, the dentist, and the Gritstone Rock Club. Okay, this week in health news, the H1N1 vaccines are the big deal because they are now out in the primary care doctor's offices we've been giving them. I I got mine this week, gave it to my kids. Uh, We also have uh, events going on with the health care reform. Uh, specifically, things are starting to look like they're going to have a vote in Congress probably by the end of late next week. And, Dr. Mulligan, you go, go ahead and jump in here, too, because I know that you've been following this. Uh, they, uh, in the House, have a plan with the uh, government-run option. And in the Senate, it looks like the uh, the plan that came out of the Bacchus committee that doc, uh, not doctor that senator snow was supporting that that had taken out the government run portion well now when they had to come kind of put all of the uh, compile all the different bills from all the committees together it got put back in right and 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 you actually are in favor of a portion of a, a government run option i i'm in favor of anything that would bring about some competition and that the, whatever the competition could do to bring down cost. Because the, the, the problem is really twofold. Um, a lot of people don't have any insurance, and in this day and age, you're at great risk by not having any. But it, that's completely connected to the fact that costs are high. So these two problems are, are connected at the hip. And whether it's the public option or any other solution, um, it's going to have to help reduce cost as part of the solution. Okay. We, we will talk about that at we length. We will, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> later in the show. Uh, back, back on the H1N1 subject, uh, we did some computations at Medically Speaking Radio. We found that since Placer County has about 350,000 residents, and there have been three deaths in the last six months from H1N1 in Placer County, that brings us about a 1 in 100,000 chance of dying from it over a six-month period. I hear a lot of people concerned about, uh, well, uh, the vaccine hasn't been tested or there's potential side effects. I'm concerned about that, so I'm not going to have my kids vaccinated. Well, I looked into it. The concern, for the most part, is Guillain-Barre, which in vaccinations, the study that I found out of the New England Journal from 1998, they said they came up with its occurrence is about one in one million vaccinations. So over six months, we've got uh, one death in 100,000, one in a million per vaccine. So the math comes out to about this. You are 20 times more likely to die of H1N1 in the next year in Placer County than to get Guillain-Barre from getting the vaccine. Okay. This is the layperson interruption. I need to know what Guillain-Barre is. Is he a French impressionist or or what? (laughs) 
Because that would kill me. That <laughs> the French impressionism would oh, kill yeah, you. Yeah. It's okay. I'm glad you asked because you think, oh, gee, twenty to one. Uh, how bad is this thing? Almost everybody who gets it recovers from it. It's a temporary paralysis, and you're twenty more times to die. Twenty times more likely to die of H1N1 if you don't don't get the vaccine than to get the temporary paralysis if you do get it. So I just wanted those numbers to be out there so that people get some perspective to what this thing is that uh, people who are not in the medical community are spouting as being a scary thing. Because I, I think a 20 times more chance of dying is, is the scarier of the two, to me right. personally. Right. But people can make their own decision. Okay, we need to make a phone call. And the reason we're making this phone call here is because we want to speak to Dr. Holly Leeds about the free uh, mammograms that they did at the hospital was it last week or the week before? They had somewhere between 30 and 40 women who they um, were able to screen for breast cancer and three or four who needed follow-up imaging. And these are people who didn't have insurance, and so they came to this event and were able to get this that was provided for them. And then once you have to go on and get follow-up care, that's not part of the program that was at the hospital for the free mammograms. That's an additional program. In other words, what was free was the screening. Right. And so what if what if you uh, have the free screening and they say, okay, you, you don't have a normal mammogram. We need to either either do a biopsy or do follow-up imaging. And so we want to talk to Dr. Holly Leeds about where it goes from there. Do we have her on the line? I think so. Hey, there you are. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Dr. Leeds. We have uh, Dr. Mulligan here with us and Hi, my, and my co-host Larry Finney. Did you hear what we were talking about with the uh, screening that had gone on? I heard a little bit of what you were talking about. Can you tell so, us what, what happens to the, the women who came through that program and need additional imaging or biopsies? So what happens for the women who need additional imaging or biopsies is that they are entered into what's called the Cancer Detection Program, which is paid for out of the um, tobacco money from the state. And the program pays for... All of the additional imaging that is standardly recommended, that would be ultrasounds or spot views, if those are abnormal, then the program pays for the biopsy. However, the biopsy needs to be done, whether it be a um, biopsy with radiology or whether in some rare cases it actually requires a surgical biopsy. Once that result comes back, if it is normal, those women, as long as they meet the financial and age qualifications, are in that program until age 65 when Medicare takes over, and they can get their screening mammograms every year just by coming back generally to my office to re-up, and then we make sure that their regular doctor gets copies of the studies as well. If the diagnosis is some form of cancer, then there is an automatic transition into the Medi-Cal system to pay for the surgical treatment, the radiation oncology, and the chemotherapy. The Medi-Cal covers everything at that point in time. They don't dissect out, oh, your breast cancer is separate from your depression or something like that. So provided that their physician is willing to take Medi-Cal, they have all of their health care costs paid for, and thus far I have had no patients who have been dropped off of Medi-Cal at that point in time until they have qualified for Medicare or gotten a job with insurance. And I wanted to let our, our listeners know that they can get a hold of this information if this sounds like something that would apply to them. We have a link on our website to the Every Woman Counts program, which is through the state of California, correct? Correct. And we also have a phone number on our website, and I'll give it right now. It's 1-800-511-2300 for the Every Woman Counts program. Again, that's 800-511-2300. Dr. Leeds, we really appreciate you telling us about this program for our listeners that uh, may need to have follow-up on their breast uh, imaging. Mark, can I add something a little bit here? Yes. There were a lot of women who did not know that this program existed, and I am incredibly grateful to Sutter Auburn Faith and the administrator, Mr. Hanna, and the foundation with Mindy Danavero for running the 
program. However, this program exists 300 and, well, 65 days minus weekends per year. And people, women between the ages of 40 and 65 who are within 200% poverty line do not have Medi-Cal or have commercial insurance with a prohibitively high um, deductible are still eligible for this program. They can contact that website. They can contact my office at 888-7468. And if for those who want to know roughly what 200% of the poverty line is, for a single-person household, that is $2,000 per month. And for a multi-person household, it is an extra $500 per person per month total income for the household, all the people bringing money in. Okay. So thank you very much for letting people know about this program. And thank you for the work that you're doing with it for the whole community. Oh, it is my pleasure. We'll talk to you again sometime. Have a good weekend. Okay. Bye. Bye. We need to take a break right now, and when we come back, be prepared to call in with your questions about H1N1 or about the health care debate with us and with Dr. Mulligan. The numbers, locally, it's 885-3565, and if you're out of the area, it's 1-800-950-K-HIGH. Also, uh, if you want to watch us, you can go to our website, medicallyspeakingradio.com, and click on the video. Since 1966... Sutter Auburn Faith Hospital has been providing award-winning care to members of the community, to people just like you. The tradition of excellence continues today with our comprehensive family birth center, cancer services, 24-hour emergency care, and a whole range of outpatient services with convenient hours and locations to serve you. In addition, we've been recognized for excellence in managing heart attacks, heart failure, pneumonia, and surgical care. We are one of a select few hospitals in the state to earn recognition from VHA's West Coast region for sustained, outstanding clinical performance. To learn more about Sutter Auburn Faith Hospital, visit us on the web at sutterauburnfaith.org slash medicallyspeakingradio. That's sutterauburnfaith.org slash medicallyspeakingradio. Sutter Health, with you for life. This is Dr. Mark Vaughn. I want to tell you about my dentist, Rodney Kihara. His office is located right in town at High Street and Auburn Folsom Road. His staff is pleasant. They smile when you walk in, and you know who they are because they're there every time. We're talking about Flo, Cheryl, and Judy. Their pleasant faces welcome you into the office and let you know that you're in the right spot, a comfortable place to go to the dentist. Call Dr. Kihara's office at 888-1966. That's 888-1966. The doctor would say, don't stick anything in your ear. Unless, of course, it's medically speaking. On K-High, the voice of the foothills. Now, back to medically speaking with Dr. Mark Vaughn and Larry Finney. Welcome back to the show, Medically Speaking Radio on KHI AM 950, your voice of the foothills. We have Dr. Mike Mulligan to speak about issues of public health and uh, also whatever happens to be of public health interest that we're going to get into later in the show. We still have some other things we want to go over here. In the community, in the interest of public safety, we have harvest festivals uh, in the evenings. Yeah, these are alternatives to knocking on doors and trick-or-treating and you yeah. know, Lord knows what you're getting out of those bags. <laughs> and so this is a, the harvest festival concept is um, one-stop shopping. Kind yeah. of, uh, there's, there's games and, and activities and, and, yeah, plenty of candy. And so the one in particular that we want to uh, feature this week is Parkside Church. And I think we have Polly on the phone to talk about Parkside Church's Harvest Festival. Are you there, Polly? I'm here. Polly, what is the uh, Parkside Church Harvest Festival? Well, it it is just what you said, a Halloween alternative. It's a family night. It's open to anybody in the community. Uh, We have um, carnival games available. We have about 25 different games for kids of pretty much all ages. We have lots of free food, hot dogs, nachos, uh, lots of candy to give away. Wait, wait, wait. Did you say free food? I did. Okay. I just wanted to confirm that. Free food. Uh, what else? We have cupcakes and cookies for dessert this year, and um, it starts at 5.30 this evening, goes until about 8 o'clock tonight. And do you want me to tell you where it is? That would be a good idea. Where, where is Parkside Church located? <laughs> 
3885 Richardson Drive. It's um, right next to Tana High School or across from the Frisbee Golf Course at uh, Regional Park. And so we, we Richardson also, Drive and Dry Creek. We also have the uh, directions on our website under the notes page. People can get directions to Parkside Church. In addition to what's going on tonight, is there any other event connected with the uh, Harvest Festival that's going on yes. tonight? Uh, tomorrow morning at 10.30, we will be having a um, magician show. It's a Christian magician. His name is Donnie Crandall, and he'll be doing a special uh, presentation for the kids at 10.30 in the morning tomorrow morning. That's at the same location at Parkside same Church? Same location. Mm-hmm. Polly, we sure appreciate you letting us know about this Halloween alternative that our listeners can participate in. Great. Love to see him. Okay. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. A couple events coming up uh a little bit further out, uh, November 14th and December 14th, one of them is the Neptune's Garden, an underwater fantasy. Now, this is put on by the hospital, and it is located at the Ridge on November 14th. The phone number for that is 888-4557. It is a charity ball. Tickets are $150 and are limited. So call if you want to get tickets to that at 888 4557 and we do have that phone number on the website uh, under our notes page at medicallyspeakingradio.com. I don't know if you can hear the, the leaf blower here at the State Theater building, but uh, that's what that sound is that that's coming over. We apologize for that. That's how you know autumn is uh, on the way. Yes, this is a live show. <laughs> it's a real leaf blower. Uh, also coming up is the Celebration Cares All-Star Concert, December 14th. This has been done in the past, and it... Uh, Oh, it's benefiting the Women's Health Center or the or the Arm of Faith Birth Center. I don't remember which, but uh, we're just now getting information on that because it's all the way in December, December 14th. Um, if you've gone to that before, the Celebration Cares concert, and you know about it, the number is 878-1365. There's a number of musicians and vocalists who are participating in that. We also, again, have a link on our website to information about that uh, at medicallyspeakingradio.com. Okay. This is your favorite time of the show. Absolutely. This is the most oft-anticipated uh, feature of the show, the disclaimer, but we have spiffed it up. You will hardly recognize it. This is It is time for you to wake up the kids, gather them around the radio, um, and, and it would be a good idea to get out a box of Kleenex because you will weep with joy at the beauty of this presentation. Uh, Trevor, are we uh, ready with the disclaimer? Here it comes. The content of this website and the Medically Speaking Radio Show are meant for entertainment and for general information purposes. No doctor-patient relationship is attempted or implied through the show or the website. Any medical advice, home remedies, and all other medical information on this website or radio show should not be treated as a substitute for the medical advice of your own doctor. Do not attempt any treatment mentioned on the website or the show without consulting your doctor. Always consult your own doctor if you are in any way concerned about your health. If you need a doctor and live near Placer County, call Jen at 530-886-8630. If you have a medical emergency, call 911. Medically Speaking Radio, Dr. Mark Vaughn, Auburn Medical Group, K-High Radio, and or our sponsors are not responsible for any diagnosis or treatment made by anyone based on any of the content of this website or the Medically Speaking Radio Show. In addition, the views and opinions expressed on the show or on linked websites are not necessarily those of Dr. Mark Vaughn, KHI Radio, the Auburn Medical Group Incorporated, or any of the show sponsors. And there you have it. Well, Mr. and Mrs. Radio Land, I, we, we'd be interested in hearing what you think about that. You can give us a call at uh, 885-3565 at any point during the show. Okay, we need to introduce Dr. Mike Mulligan. Good morning. Tell us uh, about where you went to medical school, where you trained, and your career that got you to where you are at your current position. I went to medical school in uh, Southern California at USC and did my family practice residency in Denver, where I hail from. And okay. uh, uh, we decided to come back to California and just happened to land in this wonderful, wonderful place. I feel very blessed to have uh, started and kept my career here. So you got here straight out of training? Yes, Okay. And where did you first uh, start working when you came to Auburn and when? Well, it was 1987, and, uh, you know, I ended up um, 
one of the last two doctors, I think, in this town to actually, after starting out here for a month or two, purchased a practice from a husband and wife who were leaving town. And another physician, Dr. Jim Wolf, came and joined me. And after a few years, two other wonderful doctors, Susan Shapiro and Mark Noble, joined us. And for a while, we were a nice little four-doctor group. And uh, later, we joined Sutter Medical Group and uh, uh, did that myself for a number of years. And I, I always had an itching to do something in the public health arena and an opportunity opened for me. And in uh, 2002, I joined the health department, worked six years for the Placer County uh, Public Health Department. What was your position there? Well, um, assistant health officer. And uh, I also did some work in the county clinic as a physician. And then what happened uh, after that? Well, I've, I decided to go back being a, a doctor again. <laughs> so I'm at the Chapaday Indian Health Clinic, and just like yourself, I'm seeing patients every day. Okay. Yeah. When you were at the uh, the health department, what were some of the responsibilities you had outside of patient care? Um. Well, you know, as an assistant health officer, um, and, and I do want to do a disclaimer here, um, the health officer, Dr. Richard Burton, uh, is a, a wonderful physician, um, scholar, and um, heads the health department over there, head of health and human services. And uh, my views, whatever I'm expressing here, are not those of the Placer County Health Department. I'll try to okay. uh, give you those views as a because lay Because you don't person, work there anymore. Because I don't work there okay. anymore. And uh, I have high praise for the work that those folks do, which I... I hope I impart as I tell you this. But uh, public health is kind of a quiet thing that nobody sees any of it going on until it's actually an active uh, illness in the community. And they do a lot of their work behind the scenes. But um, we have public health nurses that go out and deal with folks that are having a lot of, um, you know, underserved folks that are having a lot of problems. We have a public health lab that tests water and uh, can test um, specimens for bioterrorism. Uh, you know, letters have got powders. They have a bioterrorism lab here uh, in town. And then, you know, the health department is involved in managing all kinds of infectious diseases and planning for them. And right now with the H1N1 going on, um, I want to point out that the health department's been planning for several years for how to deal with a pandemic influenza. And now is our chance to do it. Now is our chance practice. to do it. And Th- thankfully, with one that's a little less virulent than uh, what we were planning for but exactly and that word thing. that word virulent is important because when the planning was going on it is a very good thing when the planning was going on people were worried about that bird flu in southeast asia yes and in fact if that had been the one that had learned how to be infectious uh we'd have a, a much bigger problem on our hand because as dr vaughn has pointed out that word virulent that bug in southeast asia was killing a lot more people than the the current one, thankfully. Having said that... Yeah, that was like 50% Absolutely. Having said that, when this started in April in Mexico, no one was quite sure what the um, kill rate of this was, and it seemed to be higher than it's turning out to be in the United States. We're not sure why. Maybe the general health of the American population uh, or other epidemiologic data, but... You know, the, the government had to make a decision without a lot of data as to whether a vaccine should be produced or not, not knowing whether this thing was, was going to do tremendous damage to our population or not. Yes, and now we have it, and we're able to protect... Yes, we do. Mainly the children. It's, uh, right. I believe, 60%, 65%, somewhere in that range of the cases in Placer County are age 35 and younger. Right. And uh, we there was a, a pediatric death just two weeks ago in uh, Vacaville. Right. So... It is good to, to have that available. In addition to uh, getting ready for pandemics, uh, looking out for bioterrorism, other things that are going on in uh, Placer County Public Health Department or any public health department? Well, they're always doing ongoing things. There are reports that will come in for for various kinds of foodborne illnesses, which they investigate, um, breakouts of uh, infectious disease in nursing homes, diarrhea, things like that are on cruise ships and things like that. Um, spills into our water system. They get involved in a lot of this stuff that keeps our health infrastructure going. And again, like I, like, like I said, it's not one-on-one patient care. It's kind of this quiet infrastructure behind the scenes, but they work very hard. And it's only when one of these, these uh, major issues kind of pops up into the public view that people even know that public health exists. 
Okay, we're going to come back to that after our next break here. And uh, if you have questions about public health, uh, H1N1, the health care debate in Washington, call after the break at 885-3565, or if you're out of the area, 1-800-950-KHI. And we'll talk to you about these topics. Gridstone Rock Club is Auburn's premier climbing and fitness facility. They offer rock climbing instruction for climbers of all ages and ability levels. In addition to classes, Gridstone Rock Club hosts birthday parties, has a team-building ropes course, and provides professional outdoor instruction. If you want to climb with Gridstone Rock Club, contact them at 530-885-ROCK or online at gritstonerockclub.com. Larry, have you ever been to Auburn Drug Company? Yeah, that's the one with the marble soda fountain at 815 Lincoln Way. Yeah, right there in front they have the marble fountain, and in back is an independently owned pharmacy right here in Auburn. And that thing has been around for a long time. Since the 1800s. They are so great because they actually fill your prescriptions when you ask them to, unlike the chain drug stores that make you wait. You know, and waiting there wouldn't be a big crime because, heck, you could always go to the soda fountain. That's Auburn Drug Company at 815 Lincoln Way in downtown Auburn. Give them a call at 885-6524. Few things in life are harder than thinking about serious illness or the death of someone you love. Research confirms that Americans want the basic services that hospice provides. Care at home or in a home-like setting. Treatment that preserves a sense of dignity and respect. Emotional and spiritual support for patients and for their families and effective pain management. Hospice helps patients and their families deal with end-of-life challenges in a life-affirming, compassionate way that brings dignity, hope, and love to every day of life. This message of love and caring is the focus of hospice care. This message is brought to you by Sutter Auburn Faith Hospice. We can be reached at 886-6650 or click on the link for Sutter Auburn Faith Hospice on the Medically Speaking Radio website. Now, back to Medically Speaking with Dr. Mark Vaughn and Larry Finney. And we're back here, AMK High 950, Medically Speaking Radio with Dr. Mark Vaughn and Larry Finney, and our guest, Mike Mulligan. We were talking a little bit about his role in, in the county clinic. Right. Now, you see a little bit different population in that setting than you did in the private practice or that I see in my regular practice. What are some of the differences there? Well, the, the folks that go to the county clinic, um, where I'm no longer there, but I'm going to describe it a little bit. Um, the eligibility for the county's uh, insurance program, they have to be at federal poverty level. And um, we do have a population uh, usually running around 1,100 folks on that plan. The county clinic also serves a, a very significant portion of Medical folks, and then some folks who are just being on a sliding scale. But we do have, uh, Placer County is, a, is uh, compared to many other counties in the United States and California, is relatively well off, uh, most folks employed, but we do have our share of, of uh, people who qualify for these programs. And uh, in my private practice, like yours, uh, we tended not to see these folks. and. It was an eye-opener for me to um, have the opportunity to serve those people uh, working there and then to recognize that they really are part of our community because we just simply don't see them when we're operating in our medical groups or private practices. And so who who would these people be? They could be your neighbors. Um, They're interspersed all through this county, but they're individuals who have to meet an eligibility eligibility criteria that they have to meet, which... They sign up for in the DeWitt Center, and uh, they're interviewed by someone to see if they can qualify for Medi-Cal or for the county's uh, medically indigent adult program. So this eligibility criteria, though, would be uh, to not have income above a certain level? Right. Right. So is anyone turned away? Well, yes, if they're making too much money to qualify for the program. Unfortunately, it's got strict eligibility criteria. Okay, so I, that lets you off with another different group who's making just a bit too much to be able to get on a program like that, and they're kind of in a, they're kind of what we're talking about now, which is that whole group of uh, uninsured folks numbering 40 million or something like that who are sort of um, in limbo. They don't have um, employer-based health care, and they don't qualify for a program. Yeah. So the good news is you're you're making a fair amount of money. The bad news is you can't afford health care. Exactly. Because it's expensive. 
It is. And, and there's a reason for that. Right. How did the health care get so expensive? Well, you know, you, you and I could probably cancel the rest of this, this radio station's programs and get going on this one. But it's, you know, there's a lot of different opinions on that. Um, a lot of people talk about technology. Uh, that does have a role. People talk about uh, the price of the pharmaceuticals that are the research and development. And then there's kind of the issues we were just talking about, which is the massive consolidation of insurance carriers. When you say uh, we were just talking about that was before the show. Yeah, we were having our we chat before about, the show uh, about this. Yeah, The term oligopoly, right? which means not a monopoly where it's just one company that owns the entire right. uh, industry, but just a handful. Right. And that leads to problems. When I started practice in 1987, I was at a medical conference, and there was an insurance man talking to us, and I don't remember the topic, but I asked a couple questions, and he said, let me answer that for you after after the uh, the talk, and I went and spoke to him, and he goes, you have no idea what's about to happen to you guys, and um, I feel sorry for you younger physicians, and he just said, we, you know, um, the medical field is going to change a lot, and it really did. There was a transformation over the last 15 years. Um, but in Auburn, in, in 20 years ago, there were many, many insurance carriers. Healthcare was far less expensive, and now we're down to you know, a, a very small number on one hand that provide the medical insurance marketplace. And some people feel that that allows prices to go up. And premiums have gone up um, markedly in the last decade, over 100%. Mm-hmm. So you think that plays a role. Yet, when, when you look at uh, the news items, I haven't looked in the research deeply enough to get the exact information, but uh, there was comment about that the profits in the healthcare industry or the health insurance, excuse me, health insurance industry were not windfall profits as a lot of politicians accuse them of. Have you read about that a little bit more than I have? Yeah, not really. No, and I, I agree with you. It's hard to know whether they were they're really windfall or not. No. There's, you know, there's a difference between how um, one of the private health companies works as compared to Medicare, and this is talked about a lot, which is Medicare is able to provide health care with 94 cents out of a $1 premium, and that premium is, is from us and then paid in the form of taxes. The private insurers can give you 80 cents of health care out of a premium dollar because there's advertising and profit and other costs that they have. So this... This is what brings to question whether um, a government plan could offer more health services for a dollar than what the current private ones are offering. So you're actually coming from the perspective that something that's government-run is more efficient than something that's profit-driven? That's right. And that's that's something that probably, well, we may see whether that is tested. If a public option is passed, we'll all have the opportunity to see if that is valid or not. Um you know, this is a very uh, hot topic, and no one has a crystal ball, including myself. I don't know whether a public option is the right answer. Uh, I think whatever can bring some competition, um, which is, we were talking about the oligopolies, it could be that there's not enough competition in the marketplace to help families have lower premiums instead of steadily rising ones. I guess right now the thing that's being discussed the most as a potential to bring competition would be that public option, but... Um, time will tell whether that really is true or not. Because right now, how many insurance companies compete for your business? Well, it, it depends on where you are. I have heard that in either North or South Dakota, it's two in any given community. Here, it's probably four or five, and most, and it was certainly 20 to 30 of them when I started practice. And so, yeah, you, you can you look can at s- uh, my website and actually see all the ones that are listed there, AuburnMedicalGroup.com. I think it's. About six. And, and one thing you have to take into account when you look at that list is that um, if it has the Sutter Independent Physicians um, HMO, that's actually all the same companies that are listed above it just going through another uh, administrator. Correct. Yeah. For the uh, prices to be going up and the insurance company not necessarily making the profit, you mentioned that there's the pharmaceuticals, the imaging that are, are or, or technology, I guess I should say, there are potential places where this money is going. Right. And we also have this um, flip-flop of who's paying for whose care. The, the right. people who have the insurance are paying for care for people. You, you told a story. Oh, of, I've got a great story. You want me to 
I don't know what you can say on one? the air without. Well, it, I won't. Uh, there's no individual's name, but I I had a. This is funny. We get to see these things played out in front of our eyes, Dr. Vaughn and I. But I had a an individual um, who started having a nosebleed um, at the border of Utah and Nevada, and drove all the way to Auburn to seek care, holding his nose and. Um, it was a significant nosebleed, and our staff had said, well, you know, stop in an emergency room. And he said, I don't, I don't have insurance. I can't afford to do that. And he, he, had, uh, he, he hadn't had life-threatening bleeding, but he had bled a lot. So he drove all the way into Auburn um, with one hand on the wheel, one hand on his nose, and fortunately probably not on the cell phone or you've been driving with no hands. And he, he got to the clinic, and we were unable to stop it, as happens sometimes at our clinic. And he ended up needing to go to the emergency room anyway. Um, that w- was an expensive endeavor for him. And given that he has no insurance, that'll be non-recovered costs for the hospital. And the hospitals, were they here today representing themselves, would tell us that that's an enormous amount of money. With people not having insurance now, using the emergency room as their clinic they don't get that money reimbursed back to them. They may try to talk to those people about a plan, but rarely do they get any money. Those costs are transferred to us in the form of higher costs charged to people who do have insurance. So one way of saying this is we're paying for this care anyway uh, through our very high premiums. So he'd have been just as well off going to an emergency room in Utah. Although why would a guy cross two states to come to Auburn for a nosebleed? Well, you'll have to ask him that. I, that, that I, yeah. just, the, the logic but is the kind desperation, of the, I suppose the desperation, you know, we, there's other stories we've all got, too, of what that might cost him and his fear of having to go somewhere like that to get the care. Uh, we just had to, had to get him over there, though. Uh, you couldn't stop the bleeding, and eventually we were able to convince him to do that. And that's just one example of something that's happening daily, people coming to the emergency department, no way to pay for it. It's happening daily. Okay. And, and I found it interesting when we were talking about the public option that uh, I made the comment to you, you sound like a capitalist. Oh, yeah. And it was because it wasn't that it's the public option or the government-run part of this that appealed to you. It was something to introduce into the marketplace to break up the oligopoly and introduce competition. Right. Yeah, and I think this is uh, it's it's the term is called market failure when the marketplace isn't doing what it does. I mean, I think most Americans truly, and I do too, believe in the marketplace is where the most efficient use of capital occurs. You know, it tends to go to the most efficient, innovative way to do things, and and uh, you know, it's why people shop a lot at Walmart. And when you have oligopoly, you don't have that incentive to be as efficient because right. you can get fat. Right. There's not enough competition to keep you from. Right. It looks like, I mean, I think most people on either side of the aisle in the politics would probably agree on that point, at least, that there's a problem with competition in in the health marketplace right now. And there's disagreement on how to get some introduced. Okay. I want to put out the phone numbers again for our uh, calling in to talk about our topics. The numbers are 885-3565 if you're in the Auburn area, or if you're not in the Auburn area, call 1-800-950-KHI. Dr. Mark Vaughn. I wanted to let you know a little bit about our practice at the Auburn Medical Group. The physician, nurses, and front desk personnel all approach the patient, asking themselves the question, how would I want to be treated if I was in the patient's shoes? Listen to what one of our patients has to say about her experience at the Auburn Medical Group. My name is Susie Brown. I just want to sincerely thank that group of people for being there for me in some emergency situations. They are very efficient. Their staff, including their receptionist, even when you call her, she's got uh, sympathy and compassion for you. And when you're ill, that's what you need. The nurses, the nurse staff is wonderful. And Dr. Vaughn listens to everything you say and they just get on things. They do not let anything lag. If you need a doctor, call us at 886-8630 or look at our website at auburnmedicalgroup.com. Do you find yourself overspending, overeating, or in unhealthy relationships? Is your anger out of control, or do you struggle with drugs and alcohol? Are you tired of just trying harder to deal with your struggles? If you answered yes to any of these questions, there's help available. 
Celebrate Recovery is an international ministry that meets locally at Parkside Church, 3885 Richardson Drive, Auburn. Meetings are held every Friday night from 6 to 9.15 p.m. All areas of recovery are welcome. Celebrate Recovery is a Christ-centered, 12-step recovery program that offers real and lasting change. Contact Sheila Dobbin at 823-9911. That's 823-9911. For a listing of Celebrate Recovery locations, go to CelebrateRecovery.com. We invite you to join us at Parkside as we celebrate recovery. Now, back to Medically Speaking with Dr. Mark Vaughn and Larry Finney. Yes, yes, yes it's very similar. You were just talking about over the break about uh, differences in health care costs and right. care given right. by both by geography. I'm sorry, I should introduce us since we're back on the air again. This is Medically Speaking Radio on KHI AM 950, and we're speaking with Dr. Mike Mulligan, uh, speaking on topics about indigent care or public health care. And uh, over the break, we were talking about an interesting article on differences in care geographically. Right. And, and what you're pointing out was it's not so much geography as it's um, – What's going on business-wise in, in those geographies, right? In, in those regions, right? And uh, that's kind of similar to what we had talked about with that New York Times article on June first or July first, uh, where the doctor went to McAllen, Texas. Yeah, in that in that situation, he went to Texas and, and found that two communities that were only separated by about thirty miles had drastic drastic differences in in cost incurred by the Medicare system. Um, and so he paying like twice as much per patient, right? Uh, over the national average, El Correct. Paso was the average, and McAllen, Texas, was twice. That's right. And I guess to get this down to a nutshell, it really came down to the behavior of the physicians and how they chose to deliver health care. Um, there are some things that are quite obvious. Whether if your appendix was about to rupture in both communities, your appendix would be removed. But there were other situations like how to treat heart blockage in the vessels where you could either use medication or a more expensive procedural-based thing. And in one community, there tended to be far more of the procedures done. But in looking at the outcomes of these folks, this is where it becomes important, is the outcomes, whether people lived or died, were no different. And so it, it somewhat implies that how we physicians choose to deliver the care can also have a big impact on cost. And, and there is an incentive for the uh, extra use of imaging, extra use of home health, uh, extra admissions in the hospital and tests in the hospital. What they found in McAllen, Texas, was that the doctors were heavily invested in these uh, accessory services Yes. in the imaging center, in the, the lab. And there's been study after study that looks at when you have the doctor ordering the test invested in wherever the test is produced. So they actually get profit from being done. Right. They order it more. Surprise, Correct. surprise. Well, it's human nature. I mean, yeah. it's, and it's it's important to point out that there was nothing unethical as he studied this about how they were behaving. They were following, you know, guidelines. It's just that there are gray zones where mm-hmm. if you're not an owner of something, you might feel like you don't need to order that. And if you're an owner, you know, subconsciously you might. And the care was still ethical. It was just highly expensive in one community and much less so in the next. And you may be more familiar with this than I am. Uh, there is some uh, regulation over what doctors can invest in and refer to. There's, there is some. I'm not, uh, yeah. you know, uh, well-read on that. And, and it's because of a bit of uncertainty on that and because of concerns about uh, motivation that uh, I try to avoid uh, the appearance of evil in, in being heavily invested in things that I refer to. Right. It's interesting, though, when, I, when this came out, I spoke with a specialist in town, and he told me that there was a doctor who referred to to them that implied that the referrals would come if there was a kickback. Oh, boy. Yeah, well, right here in Auburn. Yeah, so that, I mean, I do have a piece of good news, um, which is a study that showed uh, the difference between some California cities. They chose to study this based on the difference of how many ICU beds per city there was, how many specialists uh, there were. And this study compared Sacramento, San Francisco, and Los Angeles and found that Sacramento's costs per patient to the Medicare system were far lower than those in Los Angeles. People in Sacramento 
with the same illness as a person in Los Angeles, did not spend as many days in an intensive care unit, had fewer total doctors taking care of them, but their outcome was actually better. Did it say why? Well, it's implied that your care isn't, and, and Dr. Vaughn knows what we mean by this, is more care isn't necessarily better care. Right. In I'm fact, sure. we can we can actually hurt our patients sometimes by over-testing them. I this is something I deal with on a weekly basis, a patient requesting a specific test and trying to explain to them, and I wish I was better at it, how the the test that they're requesting is not in their best interest. And it's not that I'm holding something back from them. Uh, you can get tests that actually don't make outcomes better. And, and we have example after example after example of tests being used incorrectly where if you get that test that isn't perfect, it's not 100%, and we get a false positive result for whatever it is we're testing for, well, now they have to go investigate that. For example, getting the unnecessary body CT scan and finding a spot on the liver. Right. Well, what do we do now? Well, if we never did the scan in the first place, we wouldn't know it was there, and, and 99% chance you'd be fine. That's right. But now that we know it's there... We don't know that it's a false negative, so until we, we go and do follow-up studies, possibly resulting in an open liver biopsy right. with a high mortality, well, I shouldn't say high, but an existing mortality rate that ends up being higher than whatever the threat was that we were possibly concerned about. Well, I about. think you just explained that really well, actually, Dr. Vaughn, and uh, I'm sure that's how you say it to your patients, and you do do a fine job of explaining that, and, and I do too, and I think that's one of our roles as uh, primary care doctors is to help guide our patients through this. There's even tests out there that should not be used, or at least should not be used for what people think they indicate. Right. Yeah, we, we see that over and over. Well, I've got MRIs of the back are probably one of the ones oh, we, we deal with the most. and Or the knee. Or the knee, but um, it is a wonderful test, but uh, it, it's only when we all got the literature showing that many, many normal folks walking down the street in front of the radio station today have very abnormal MRI scans yeah. but have no pain. And that's not a real good test if it's if it's showing normal people to have a bunch of abnormalities and and I can guarantee you that if there was an instrument instrument being used to build one of the engines of a Boeing airliner, we citizens wouldn't tolerate you know it creating a bad engine half the time. And these tests, which are tests on our body, sometimes they're just not perfect. At five hundred to a thousand plus dollars a pop. Absolutely. So in this case, it is true that in in certain cases, what you don't know will not hurt you. That's right. Well stated. <laughs> yeah. What what other things are in there? Well, uh, this doctor, um, John Wenberg, who's a researcher in Dartmouth, decided, you know, 20 years ago to start collecting data. He didn't know where this would take him, but he collected data on every uh, zip code in the United States and then meshed that with Medicare codes on for all kinds of illnesses. And when he turned this into a map, it's called the Dartmouth Atlas, uh, it was an amazing thing to sh- show that communities separated by a uh, very small number of miles could have such a vast difference in, say, all the women in one zip code getting hysterectomies and hardly any of them in the other zip code. And he began to ask the question, is this really better health? Are these people in certain communities doing better? And with a lot of analysis, it's it's shown that uh, this variability in care is not delivering better care. It's somewhat unexplainable, and it comes back to we physicians. And... Uh, it just is one of the many causes of what we think is a you know reason for high health care costs. And, and there's a reason that this happens. It's because of how doctors get paid. It is. The way the payment schedule is created when Medicare was made in the 60s, it was actually, uh, was it the Medicare had the AMA make it or you don't well, know either? Well, okay. we, we just know that it's, and, and again, it, where it's probably going to happen down the road here, we don't know when, but... There's there's an effort to change how we physicians are paid, whether we're going to bundle the care so that it's not based on an episode as much as trying to get to someone to a, an outcome. And I don't think any of us are afraid of that challenge as long as it's equitable. Uh, it'll, it'll integrate more of our behavior and, and care with the hospital if we're an outpatient clinic, uh, potentially lead to better communication between the physicians um, so that we're not duplicating things. Right now, it's so based on episode or, or specifically on procedures that, you know, if you're a physician uh, trying to run your office, you have procedures that pay you far more than um, thinking or cognitive behaviors. Yeah. 
And so you see this shift of healthcare dollars going from primary care to procedural specialties, and that's why we've had an inverse in general doctors to specialists over this last 30, 40 years. Which brings an even bigger problem. If we suddenly reinsure 40 million Americans, um, yeah. I know your practice probably can't handle the majority of that coming to your, your oh, shop. If they right? come, I'll just hire yeah. my nephew when he gets yeah. out of residency. Well, there you he'll, go. he'll join us. But the, uh, with the debt load that medical students are getting now, which is skyrocketed, yeah. most of them are, are choosing, understandably, to not go into primary care. And so um, yeah, along well, with the fix of insuring everyone, there's probably going to be a need to expand that primary care base to take care of all these folks who suddenly have insurance because the system right now can't handle bringing them in. A year and a half, two years ago, when my nephew was interviewing at residencies in California for family medicine, he was often the only American medical school graduate interviewing because yep. primary care has gone to foreign medical graduates. And, right. and it's because Americans go into the specialties to pay for their debt. If you Correct. Are coming from another country and uh, happy to get into the country. You're ha- yeah, you're happy mm-hmm. to get in the country. You're happy to get paid what a primary care doctor gets, and so they they have those positions available to them because they've been vacated by the American medical students or mid levels uh, right. now delivering care that used to be delivered by a physician. That's right, and that's another shift that we've seen. And I do hear in Washington they talk about wanting to reimburse primary care. I don't know if it's because they see this. You said 40 million. I don't know about the figure, but a number of people who will now be going to a, a, a primary care doctor instead of an emergency department. Right. Uh, I doubt they were going straight to a specialist before, although right. although maybe. Yeah. Well, this will be great if if folks have access to good preventative care, but the system will have to uh, step up, and there will need to be more mid levels. Probably, you're yeah. probably familiar with that concept of the medical home, which is more of a a, a team. Um, you know, a combination of mid-levels and primary care doctors and Medicare is willing to reimburse more for an office that's willing to call itself a medical home. But along with that, there's an expectation that you integrate with the hospital and that your your labs and x-ray and all this stuff is in an integrated fashion to try to help keep the costs down. But so there is, I mean, there is hope out here. There's a lot of um, innovation on how to pay physicians and how to induce people to be in primary care uh, and still be able to keep their business going. Yeah, we just have a minute left, but we wanted to make sure we uh, made clear what it is you do now, because you're at Chapaday. Yeah, Chapaday Indian Health Clinic, which is um, a clinic that has locations in uh, Woodland, Auburn, Grass Valley uh, for now, um, and it serves uh, Amer- people of American Indian descent and Medi-Cal. Okay. We certainly appreciate having you on our show. Thank you very much. Dr. Mulligan. Thank you both. We want to make sure that we don't forget this week to encourage people to stay tuned for Double Gold with Gary Moffat, which is coming up right after the news. We want you to remember that we do have a website, medicallyspeakingradio.com, and you can become a fan on Facebook of Medically Speaking Radio. Uh, You can always get the archived shows on the podcasts. Uh, We have also uh, a request that you rate us on whatever podcast aggregator you use so that uh, we can get more popular on the iTunes and such and more people can listen to us. We encourage you to come back next week when we'll have Dr. Spin, not the Spin Doctor, but Dr. Spin, who will be talking about kidney health. And as always, this is Dr. Mark Vaughn, Larry Finney, and this week, Dr. Mulligan, telling you to stay in good health.